Welcome to Burn News Current Affairs Podcast with Jeremy Deacon. Listen at your leisure on www.burnnews.com. My guest today is Shadow Minister of Tourism, Jamal Simmons. Mr Simmons, thanks for uh, sparing some time from your busy, busy schedule to, uh, to let me ask you some questions. Um, the, first of all, and, and you'll be well, well aware of this of course, uh, the first quarter figures were released recently by the, uh, by the BTA. Um, they seem to be extremely good. I've not seen or heard a PLP response yet. Well, we're actually looking at the numbers right now. I think that we recognise that, first of all, the BTA's challenge, Bermuda's challenge, is our jurisdiction is a tough sell. We're more expensive than most jurisdictions, and we offer a lot less in many ways. And so when we look at any improvement, it is cause for celebration. But I think that what we have to be clear on is when we get the numbers, that the numbers reflect everything. For example, there were several events that were on, such as a rugby uh, event that was held during January that would bump things up. And I think that that's good. And this year, we're going to see some more things that will bump the numbers up. You mentioned that, but when I actually interviewed Bill Hanbury, uh, I was trying to think of some large events, and it was difficult. The rugby event was reasonably big, but it wasn't like uh, the, the, the big, uh, the big the World mm-hmm. Cup here. Yes. Um, so it didn't bring that many. So it seemed like the figures were pretty genuine. Well, you remember, there also include people that the BTA paid to come in as well when you look at those things. So, I mean, once we look at the numbers and really dig into it, we'll get a better feel. But I think that the key point is visitor spending. We had more visitors on island, but visitor spending went down. And that's something we really need to look at these numbers very closely and see why. What is happening? Why did more people come here but less money was spent? Well, it's always an issue, isn't it? I mean, uh, um, I think I wrote a blog for uh, Football News last year uh, arguing, that is, it, is it spending that we should look at or numbers? Mm-hmm. And nobody's quite sure. Yeah. Well, I think it's a combination of both because, you know, the person who comes and stays at my house and doesn't spend a dime is not the same as the person who comes and stays at a Fairmont or stays at a guest house and uses taxis and uses bus and uses that nature. So it's a good number, but I mean, I think that when the spending is the one that really reflects what's actually happening, the impact on Bermudians. But on the whole, would you, would you admit that shadow tourism is a, the figures do look promising? I think so. I mean, well, let's, let's be honest. It's a deep hole we're digging out of. And I think that one of the things that I've tried to do as shadow minister is to begin the process of letting our people know that this is not an easy job and that this is not a matter of waving a magic wand. There's not a six-month turnaround. This is a long-term hole to dig out of. And I think that we have to be very, very clear that the world is our competition now. And these upticks have to be sustainable, they have to be maintained, and they have to grow and continue to grow. We faced a 49-year low in air arrivals last year. Mm-hmm. So this increase it has to be put in that context. And that, you know, that, like I said, no knock on them, but we have to recognize it's a deep hole we're in. It's a very deep hole, but at least it seems to reverse the decline. Yes. You're talking about no quick fix. Uh, Mr. Hambry made the same point when I interviewed him. Um, he did say that when he came here, I think his quote was, you have to throw the baby out with the bathwater and start again. Mm. And he basically threw out everything that the PLP administration had put in. Well, that's not he, quite true. Well, that's effectively <laughs> what he was saying. He said the marketing was all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, you say it's not quite true. My question was that him saying that is a pretty, pretty bad indictment of the PLP policy. Well, considering that they've kept on to our national tourism plan and maintained most of it. I don't this, is, this was marketing. No, well, marketing, marketing and, and well, targeting of, of people, demographics. I will say this. As a marketing professional, 
I believe that we can do better with marketing. I believe we're still not doing as good. But talking about the PLP, well, you, you talked about 49 years decline. He's been there three years, yes. so 46 years of decline. Yes. He took aim at the, the previous administration marketing strategy, et cetera, et cetera, and remember, said he had to start again. Remember, we hired people to do marketing strategies. It wasn't as though Jamal But there was a tourism minister in charge. Exactly. But understand this the marketing approach of the past is not the marketing approach that I would take. And the marketing approach that we're seeing currently is not the approach that I would take as a person experienced in bringing tourists to Bermuda. So what's, what's the marketing approach? Well, you, if you were tourism minister tomorrow, what's the approach? You I think, take? first of all, we have to separate ourselves from the market. If you're selling beach and sand, so is everybody else. And when all you're selling is the same thing, people then compare based on price. And that's what we're seeing. The ads draw people to the websites, they draw people in, mm -hmm. but they're not buying because of the price. So we have to first look at the product as well as marketing, because I don't believe truly it's fully a marketing problem. It is a marketing issue, but it's not fully a marketing problem. It is a product problem. And when we look at the product, do we offer what the market wants? Does the market we think that we've been chasing, you know, this wealthy new North American, does it even still a viable market in this world? And so when we look at now, we have to look at things like guest houses, which diversify our product, which give an option that maybe is outside of the mid-50s, 60s wealthy New Englander, but it's an entry gateway into Bermuda. And what I've found, um, working with international journalists, they all said the same thing when they came to Bermuda. I wish I'd known about this before. It's like an untaught mystery. Mm. The challenge was that very few of them could ever afford to come back on their own dime because it was so expensive. And so when you look at these options now, where you have a person who fell in love with Bermuda but never came back because they couldn't afford it, if we're drawing people in, we have to look at the little properties, get people in those, the people who are spending, you know, who are charging $150, $100 a night, mm -hmm. as well as we target the big boys. And together, broaden our map, broaden our product, and broaden our approach. But from the marketing standpoint, I do think that we, it's, part of the challenge is the blending of the politics with the business. And what I mean by that? As a minister of tourism, I may not be able to put out an ad that will attract people because it may offend Bermudians or it may not be popular in Bermuda. That is a real challenge. And you know, we saw that years ago with David Dodwell and the um, Let Yourself Go campaign. We have to recognize that we are marketing to bring people here. Mm -hmm. We're not marketing to please my friend on North Shore, my friend on Scott Hill. Mm -hmm. And that's a factor that has to be put in as well. And that, I think, allows us to be a little bit more edgy, a little bit more, stand out a little bit more, if we recognize that we have to take the aspect of tourism that's become wrapped around appealing to the local audience as opposed to the people we want to draw here. So, see, you touched on, I was going to touch on this, you want to say you want to place equal emphasis on the smaller tourist properties. What, what would you do more specifically? I think what we have to do, first of all, is make sure that they're all registered with the BT and make sure that all the properties are set up. We have to take a serious look at how we categorize guest houses. Because right now, I think it's basically after you have a certain number of rooms, you become a hotel. Um, I think we need to encourage the expansion of that. I think that we, through the Bermuda Small Business Development Corporation, need to work on getting them to market themselves better mm -hmm. and get them more out in the marketplace. And when we look at what a lot of them are doing now independently is my guest house is full, I'm sending it to Jeremy's because he's got an extra room, and that's what's happening. But what I would like to see is some more organization and unity in terms of how they do business 
so that there's a booking system that can go through everyone who wants to participate. Mm -hmm. And then we start seeing those things. But I think what happens, and I don't know that government is the role, but I think government can be a resource in terms of trying to get this more organized, mm -hmm. more structured, and have a way for them to be put their message out there to draw people who may not be drawn to the big ones. Because the BTA is also looking closely at the rental market. Is that mm. something you think should be encouraged as well? Well, I think anything that gets people to Bermuda should be looked at. The, I look at, like for example, you look in other countries, you have celebrities that will rent a house mm. for a weekend. The impact of the right celebrity staying in the right house can have in terms of buzz, in terms of energy. So there's things that you know, we have, we have I, I think at this stage in our tourism history, we have to have open minds about things. And we may have to look at things that, you know, Mrs. Jones will say there's too much noise at 2 a.m., mm. but we have to be open for business. Um, just going back to uh, the BTA, um, Mr. Hambry has one year left in his contract. Mm. Um, if you were minister, what would you be looking to do at the end of that year? Well, I think... Not to pick on Mr. Hansberry specifically, but I think the BTA overall, our main challenge has been accountability and performance. I could not come in and say in six months, I'm going to produce X, Y, and Z and fail and still not have, and still have some level of job security. I couldn't do it two years in a row. I certainly couldn't do it three years in a row. I think that um, from the start, the level of accountability has not been where it should have been. The level of openness and transparency is not where it should have been. Why should it have been? I think that it should be... You're spending tax dollars. We need to know every step of the way. And it's that you cannot kind of go off into your enclave and sort of like to be dragged out, information dragged out of you. They've gotten better about it, to their credit. But I think that the initial promises, the initial secrecy made their job more difficult in terms of being able to gain public confidence, in terms of being able to do their job. And the results particularly did not help their cause. So, Mr. Hambry has won the LF in his contract. What would you do if you were tourism minister at the end of that contract? Well, I would hope that he turns tourism around this year. But what would you do at the end of that contract? I would hope that he turns tourism around this year. <laughs> because, as I said, is I would be expected to be held accountable for poor tourism numbers. If he turns Someone, tourism around this year, will you keep him on as tourism minister? Well, we have to see what that means. I mean, you know, I, I, don't want to, I don't want to prejudge anything because I don't know the process that they went through to select him. I don't know that that's the best person for the job. And some of these things, you know what? Maybe you're the person to take us here and not there. But I think we have to, again, be open-minded about these things. Performance is bigger than anything else. And if we look at the numbers a year from now, and the numbers are not there, there's no progress that's not going the way we want it to, then you have to look at making a change. If the numbers are not moving as swiftly as you could, you have to look at making a change. But change for change's sake, not necessarily. Will you carry on with the BTA if you administer? Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. Um, we, one of the in, things, in the current structure? Well, I think what we want to look at more is, I think we want to look at a little bit more accountability and openness. I think that's part of it. I'm not interested in sitting there and going through every ad and approving it. I'm not interested in looking at every on-island campaign doing that. What I'm interested in is providing them with the legislative support and the resources to do their job. And that's really the focus. And again, I think I alluded to this earlier, taking the politics, the day-to-day -day politics out of it, I believe is critical. Because... As a minister, I can be fired. The, direct, the chairman of the BTA should also have that concern and thought. And people who work there should have that concern. If you don't perform, performance is everything. But what I think we have to look at with the BTA is return on investment, what's working, what isn't, and we need to tweak where we can and improve. How do you take the politics out of it? Well, I think part of it, again, is recognizing that there needs to be a little bit less 
I'll give you a good example. I recognize the difficulty of getting a hotel to Bermuda. It is extremely difficult. If the One Bermuda Alliance pulls it off, kudos to them because I know it is not easy to do. Part of the problem that we've had is that we have been forced to sort of mine for votes and not always be able to connect the dots. So it's taken a lot of the trust out of tourism. So when a minister says, PLP, ODA, whatever, hotel's coming next month, there's still a credibility gap because too many times, and, not, and to be honest with you, I don't believe previous people lied. I believe they actually felt these things were coming. But I think that part of it is we need to stop over-promising and under-delivering. That's part of the key. So that's the, that, that's the politicians spinning it. Well, or anything else. That's not really taking the politics out of it. Well, I mean, if you were really serious about taking the politics out of it, you would cease to have a tourism minister. Well, the tourism minister is required to move legislation that supports the BTA. But now, so maybe, maybe you come under the Premier's office. Perhaps. And he could take perhaps. that, or she could take that issue on. There wouldn't be a tourism minister. Perhaps. That would be taking the politics out of it. Perhaps. But again, the politics really doesn't matter about who holds the rule as long as a politician is involved in it. What I think, when we look at the politics, it means that when I make the decisions... I have to be thinking about the return on investment as opposed to the return at the polls. And I do think that, you know, there's been a little bit too much of the, how can I put this? I think that as a tourism minister, my job is not to walk around in Bermuda Shorts and smile at people. My job is to get tourists here. And that's what I expect to be judged on. And I think that when you take that position, you take a different approach when looking at how the ads are produced, when you take a look at how the BTA is structured, when you look at things like that. My approach has been I want results. I want results for myself, and I want results from the BTA. Um, we, we, you touched on it uh, a little bit uh, a minute ago, talking about resources, and, and you and uh, the BTA both agree on this, actually, that there needs to be more spending on marketing and tourism. What budget would you set? No, I wouldn't actually... Well, here's the key. But you wrote that. What I do think they need to do is we need to, first of all, broaden our marketing, right? I wouldn't want to put a dollar figure on at this moment. The reason why I say that is because there are markets we're not even looking at right now. If you're saying that we have people of wealth and privilege, are we looking at South America? Are we looking at Nigeria? Are we looking at China? Are we looking at Saudi Arabia? So it's a very broad range. And so to put a number on it, I wouldn't want to do okay, that. But, but, but I say this, right? If you look again, I think that money is a component, but I think return on investment is also. And I'm not interested in throwing more money down a hole that's not producing. That's the key. But you said there's need to spend more on Oh, absolutely. Money. But it needs to be more effective as well. But spending more means an increase in budget. Absolutely. I mean, the budget's gone down since 2007 and, until the very most recent budget. Yes, where it went to, what, 2.85 million? It went up a little bit this year. They gave oh, 2.85. There's 1.85 from the hotels mm-hmm. and 1 million from the government. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, would you increase it further? You say you don't want to set yeah. a target. And well, the reason why, I think, I think you have to, because we're just being outspent. And part of it, again, is in terms of our identity, how many people say, you say, I'm from Bermuda, and they say, Barbados, Bahamas? We're not standing out. Mm, we don't stand out. Yeah, we don't stand out. And, and I think that, that again, it's, it's not just money. Money is a component, but it's also about having a product that stands out. But I think that we, we also have to take a very frank look at ourselves in terms of what we offer. And we have to diversify our product. We have to be able to provide more opportunities for for people to do things. And 
What, what do I mean by that? There was a recent flap on social media about how tourists were in Dockyard after 5 o'clock and all the businesses That's were closed. Right. Yeah. And we need to start thinking, okay, if the brick-and-mortar businesses can't or won't stay open at those periods, then maybe there's an opportunity for entrepreneurs, whether it's vendors, whether it's different people, to fill that gap and for maybe somebody who can make something, who can bake something, who can do whatever, to fill that gap so that we're not having these dead spots. The problem is, is there's, been a, there's, been a, there's been that talk for a very, very long time. Well, it's all about execution. Exactly. You know? And I think that that's but part of the mandate that I've been given by um, Mark Bean is that we have to expand economic opportunity and entrepreneurship. But how would you actually make it happen? Well, what, are the, what are the three key steps, the key steps to make it happen? This. You first need to identify opportunities. Right? And there's a good program in the United States called the One Florida Program, where it's specifically designed to seek out opportunities within government. Now, I'll use that example in Dakar as one. We see an opportunity for business people. There may not be spaces for rent. There may not be things of that nature. But by working with Belco, we can say, maybe this will be a market spot. But the key is this here, get the conversation going. Because what we tend to do in Bermuda... But that's more talk. No, but what we tend to do in Bermuda is we say, oh, this is terrible this week, and we forget about it until next year, and then we say, we didn't do anything about it. Mm. And it's all about action and execution. And I'm not interested in long, drawn-out processes that, you know, when we see something isn't working, we have to address it. Because BTA has been doing that. I think they've given away something like $2 million also in grants to, to entrepreneurs to start their tourism-related business? Well, again, I think it goes back to return on investment. And I think what we want to see is that when we're spending money on an island, that it is enhancing our product, it is drawing people. Because I want to say that, you know what, when you have experiences when you travel, there are experiences that you had it may not be the hotel, it may not be the beach. There are experiences where you say, I want to come back and have that experience. And that's part of what we have to build. Well, we don't, we're not very good at that right now. Well, it's very interesting you say that because uh, as part of the interview I had with Bill Hambry was that they're trying to create this experiential thing uh, and to make an experience. Uh, and actually, you again both agreed that um, there needs to be a younger audience. And of course, they probably prefer experiences. Uh, and it's, I think um, it's correct to say something like 83% of the growth in the number of visitors coming to Bermuda outlined in that first quarter uh, were attributed to people younger than the age of 45. Mm -hmm. So they're getting it right there, aren't they? Well, remember, they also count people from 0 to 17 in those numbers. So <laughs> you know, I'm not sure whether the baby coming on his mother's arms counts. But, <laughs> but, 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 but I think that that is where we do want to go. But I think we, what we have to get right is I think we have to break out of the mindset. If we're beginning sentences with, I want to take Bermuda back to the 50s and 60s, if you know, we think this bullet, simple bullet solution is have entertainment in the hotels and um, you know, have a college week, it's a little bit more complex than that now. And what, particularly with the younger audience, you know, there are people who have money, lots of money, and they'll come to a place like Bermuda and they'll say, I'm not paying $400 for a hotel room in a three-star hotel. I'm not paying $50 for a taxi to go from here to there. But if we can offer experiences that are wide-ranging, that I think is what completes the circle. We have more people leaving the island satisfied sure. because they have the options. But that comes back to the same problem. It's the challenge of providing those experiences. Yeah. But I think we have to begin pushing now, I know that, and again, you will find there are many similarities in what we say because the BTA, the BTA yes. is following 
the Otorza plan that was put together under Wayne Farber. So, so, I mean, that's, that's, that's the key. So there's, there's a lot of good in that. And I think what's good about that plan is that it's executed properly. And if we get buy-in across the board, it's something that we can continue to build on. Part of what hasn't really been developed at greatly is the hubs. And if Morgan's Point comes up and is able to actually be successful and to be an operating, you can start looking at then what are the opportunities around Morgan's Point. And it's a big one because you know, it falls in my constituency. And I have one of the highest unemployment rates in the island right now. I mean, my, my constituency is a relatively young constituency, very few seniors or working age. People are looking for jobs. But if you... If we widen our mindset and open for business, and there's a lot of soul searching we have to look at, and there are things that government cannot do. Government cannot make businesses stay open to accommodate tourists. Government cannot make people raise their customer service standards. But what we can do is create the environment. And it can create a legislative framework. Exactly, exactly. Um, <clears throat> it's kind of interesting that... Uh, Again, reading up on some of those things you've said since you've unwritten since you've been shadow tourism minister, you actually said the PLP has learned from the past. Mm. You said mistakes have been made. What mistakes were made? Uh, raising payroll tax in the middle of recession. <laughs> well, I mean, talking about tourism, really, but yeah, oh. so that's, that's true. In that instance, I was specifically talking about the economy. There are certain issues, there are certain things that we did. Well, tourism is a vital part of the economy. Well, I would say with tourism, we were getting it right until 2008 when the bottom just fell out of it, just from the recession. And I don't know that if we, if the recession hadn't hit, we might not have gone a little bit better. But I think one of the things that we could have done more is pushing the expansion of guest house and pushing the expansion of entrepreneurism and tourism. I think that's something we could have done more in, particularly because um, for a lot of Bermudians, and this is, this is the thing that I, I just found stunning working in hospitality, every tourism journalist who ever came to Bermuda that I met and talked to they all said the same thing. The best service they ever received was from Bermudians. Mm. And, you know, I came to realize that when you travel, you don't really care if your waiter is local or not. You don't care. You just want good service. You want your order to be complete. But what I find Bermudians do is we add to the experience. When we're at our top of our game, we add to the experience. And part of, I think, what we also needed to do is do a better job of getting Bermudians into the industry and working with the private sector to advance them in the industry. Because I think that that presence, I mean, it's, it's a magical thing. I was at Pompano recently with my wife, and the wait staff in the dining room were all Bermudians. It's a totally different experience, totally different experience. And it's not one just because they knew me, because I observed them with the tourists. It's a certain intangible. And you can't really sell it, but when people experience it, and when every single jaded, experienced travel journalist said the same thing, it was just the best. Absolutely. But, but going back to the mistakes, was it a mistake to cut the budgets uh, in successive budgets? Did that contribute to the hole that um, we are now hopefully starting to climb out of? Well, I think remember, remember we've been in a global recession. The global recession hit right after we hit the peak. I think our peak was like a 20 or 30 year high that we hit then. That, I think, has to be put in context in terms of because the moment the U.S. went into recession, that knocked out the bulk of our tourism market. That knocked out the bulk of our tourists. So, Isn't that a time to market more than put more money into the, well, into the tourism budget? Well, perhaps you're right. I mean, I, I can't dispute that. I was not there at the time. I don't have the information that they had there. Well, it just, um, yeah, it goes back to but, the learning but, from mistakes. But I do know this, that when I look at what we could have done more of, definitely pushing a more entrepreneurship, getting more Bermudians involved in tourism, driving more leadership roles, and whether it was through business ownership, entrepreneurship, or working your way through the hotel, I think we could have done more in that area. Final question. Um, if you had the option 
of a $250 million airport mm. or a $250 million attraction in Bermuda? What would you take? $250 million airport or $250 million attraction? Well, I've yet to meet a tourist who says he goes somewhere because of an airport. So, I mean, again, it's the... Bermuda needs that must-see element. Bermuda needs that must-do element. And so if you gave me that choice, I would pick the attraction of an airport any day. Okay, on that note, thank you very much for your help, Mr. Simmons. Great stuff. Thank you for tuning in to Burn News Current Affairs Podcast with Jeremy Deacon. Listen at your leisure on www.burnews.com, your 24-7 Bermuda news source.